Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. Here's Pastor Ryan. Amen. All right. So the Apostle Paul, as you know, is ministering uh, to the church at Corinth about various topics. And at this point in the letter, he's been talking to them about the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit that every believer in Christ receives spiritual gifts from God. God's an equal opportunity God, and he gives all of us spiritual gifts. The question is, are we using those spiritual gifts, right? The Corinthian church, uh, they were doing well in the gifts of the Spirit as far as the gifts of miracles and the speaking of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Um, but there were abuses, as there has always been abuses when it comes to the spiritual gifts where uh, people use the God-given talents and spiritual empowerment, not for the benefit of the church, not for the glory of God, but really for uh, selfish reasons, ego, uh, uh, selfish gain, greed, you name it. Throughout church history, there's been abuses and there's abuses today. And so the Apostle Paul is is really uh, instructing them and, you know, uh, letting them know that the gifts are for the benefit of the church, that the church would be built up and that God would be glorified. And in order for us to do anything where we desire the church to be built up and for God to be glorified alone and not us, the only way that can happen is if we do it out of love. The same love that Christ has, has given us, we should do all things because of the love that he has for us and the love that he's given us. In, in those instances, we will do all things for the betterment of our, of our brothers and sisters without any concern for ourselves. We'll do things for the glory of God without any concern for wanting glory for ourselves. Amen? And it's a beautiful transition here, chapter 13, that he does. I mean, it's, it's, uh, um, he says here in verse 29 of uh, chapter 12, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding, all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so gifts are good, really good. It's good. It's a good thing, the spiritual gifts, but a more excellent way, a more excellent thing in God's eyes is that all of us operate as Christians, live as Christians with love. 
He said it, basically, you know, these beautiful gifts that God gives us, and there's many gifts, there's many talents, but talent doesn't always, our talent doesn't always bring glory to God. I love it when athletes make a touchdown or score points or win a game or win a match, and they give glory to the Lord. I love it because it acknowledges that they would have no talent without God. They'd have no energy or strength without God. The gifts of the Spirit, in similar fashion, need to be all wrapped up about His glory because of His love and for the benefit of the church, not for ourselves. It's all about the Lord. And again, our talents and our spiritual gifts, they do not always bring God glory. All right? And But what does always bring God's glory is that we love. And that's what he's getting at here. Tongues are a wonderful gift. Though I, Paul says, though I have the tongues of men and and of angels, but I have not love. You know, tongues that it's, it's, it's when a person is seeking God in prayer and there are, they are so blessed. They're so in, in bliss over God's love where, Human words, our English doesn't cut it in our praises to God. And you're able to, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, pray to the Lord and praise Him with an unknown tongue. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful way of worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord. It's a beautiful gift by which the person speaking in tongues praises God, but also bring, it brings edification to the person practicing that. It's a beautiful thing. And then the gift of prophecy, as uh, it, it doesn't always, prophecy, when you hear the word prophecy, you automatically think, you know, uh, foretelling of future events, but that's not necessarily always the case. It, it can mean also that you're proclaiming God's truth, right? And so through the gift of prophecy, Paul would say in the next chapter, we'll deal with it, but he, he talks about how wonderful the gift of prophecy is, because when you speak the word of God to others, it builds them up, it edifies them, it ministers to them. That very word that God gives you for them or for yourselves, it's such an uplifting thing. It strengthens us as a church. And so that beautiful gift, when you spend time in the word and you spend time in prayer and God gives you uh, understanding of the mysteries of the Lord and, and of knowledge of his doctrine and you're able to help others, it's a beautiful gift. But God is saying, you know, through Paul, Though you can speak in tongues, though you can prophesy, if you have not love, you're nothing. Whew, that's so big. This is one of the most convicting chapters in the Bible, I believe, guys. All right? Because love is super, super important to God, as we're seeing here. Um, and then he goes, and though I have all faith to move mountains, and that beautiful gift of faith that God gives when you have a, a supernatural, uh, you know, extra belief that God can do all things in your life, where you have a supernatural trust in God, that gift of faith, that blesses the body because your faith encourages other faith and faith is contagious. But then God says, look, even though you can do that, even though you have that, but you have not love." You're nothing. That's what he says. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor. And it's amazing how many people do humanitarian efforts to feed the poor out there. But they don't have the love that the Bible speaks about. Which we're going to study, you know, today. 
They don't have the love. They bestow, right? The Pharisees, they did all kinds of charitable deeds to be seen by men so they can have the praises of men. They did not have the love of God, yet they bestowed their goods to the poor. But it is a wonderful thing to do when our hearts are in the right place. He who cares for the poor, the Bible says, lends to God and God will pay them back. And then you think about the martyrs throughout history and the martyrs today, those who would die for their faith in Jesus Christ, who will not deny the name of Jesus. They didn't do it in the Roman Colosseum. Women and children went to the lions and would not deny Christ and died. And today around the world, people are literally dying for their faith in Jesus Christ and not recanting their faith but standing strong. God would say, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Great is a reward. But if they have not love, it profits them nothing. So love is a huge thing in the Christian faith for many reasons. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. Our love for the Lord is reactionary. It should be reactionary. We should love because God has first loved us, as John said. We love him because he first loved us. It's reactionary. The apostle Paul says, said, it is the love of Christ that compels me. In other words, sinful Saul, when he was converted and he persecuted the church, he killed Christians and needed the mercy of God and received it through Jesus Christ. He was so grateful that that love that Christ gave him compelled him. He reacted to it to preach the gospel everywhere. So our love, the love that we are to have is reactionary to the love that Christ has given us. John, the beloved, in his epistle, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Again, the calling that God has on our life to love is so important. It it is the gauge to how we are doing in our relationship to Jesus Christ. Many say that they love God. Many say that they are okay with God, that they are walking with God, that, that, that God and them are like that. They're tight. But when you watch their life, they are light on the love area. They're not very loving. And so love is a gauge for all of us to know how we are doing with God. If we love others well, it shows that our relationship with God is also in a good place. Amen? Amen? They go hand in hand. There are three famous Greek words used to describe the different types of love. 
The first one is eros. The second is phileo. And the third is agape. Amen. Eros in Greek mythology, it was the name of the son of Aphrodite, right? The, 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 the temple that was there in Corinth to Aphrodite where the sexual immorality was happening, her son was Eros. And, and, uh, it, it, the word Eros is used in Greek mythology or in Greek, uh, literature when it refers to the relationships uh, and the love between the sexes, the love of sweethearts, the love of a husband for a wife and the wife for her husband. Eros is not used at all in the New Testament. I think God, uh, you know, wouldn't allow it because of the misuse of that word that surely somebody would, would use. Phileo is a more broader word for love, which speaks of brotherly love, right? Philadelphia, phileo. It's a broader word that generally means the love between friends or a kindly affection between parents and children and children towards their parents and the love between citizens and their country, right? I love my country, that's phileo, right? I, I love my mom and dad, that's phileo. Uh, parents love their children, that's phileo, back and forth. It, it, it's a phileo love. The, the world, that is the extent of the world's love, phileo. That's as high as they can go when you think about it. Biblically, when you think about it, the highest the world can love is the phileo love. And a lot of it's based on how others love us. We respond to their love, right? And, you know, families love because they say blood is thicker than water. Family loves each other. They phileo each other. It's not even agape love. Agape love comes from the Lord. We'll get more into that. Agape love is the type of love that Jesus has had for all of us. We're told by John in the third chapter of his first epistle, by this we even know love, because he laid his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The agape love is Jesus' type of love, not self-seeking, not about self, all about the other person we're loving. It's a sacrificial love. Agape is the highest type of love. It's sacrificial. It's all absorbing. It's, it completely dominates one's whole being. Jesus gave his all literally for you and I on the cross. He proves his love, uh, to all of us in that he died on the cross. So if you are here today and you're you're doubting God's love in any way. Don't believe that lie from the devil. Jesus proves his love for you on the cross and for me. Proves it. He bled out for you. He was God's, you know, propitiation. He, he satisfied the wrath of God for the judgment of sins that was heading right to you and to me. We were on our way to hell and all of that judgment, boom, slammed against Jesus instead of us. He loves you. He loves you with all, all of his being. And that is agape love. And we know love because he died for us. And then he says, we ought to lay our lives down for one another. Before we get into how we get this love, let's look at the definition of, God, of love by the Lord here in verse 4. It says, love suffers long 
and is kind. You know what long-suffering is? It's not a, it's a word I learned in the church. It's not one that I, you know, the world really uses. But long-suffering means to be of long spirit, which doesn't tell us much because that's something we don't say either. It basically means to be patient with perseverance, with courage, you know, in in the long-term sense. Love, agape style, means to be of a long spirit, not to lose heart, but to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. Basically, to be long-suffering means that you don't give up on each other. That you hang in there, you persevere bravely. Even when bad things happen, you don't give up. To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. To be mild and slow in avenging. Slow to anger. Slow to punish. Jesus is our example. He was long-suffering with all of us, wasn't he? He is long-suffering. He desires that no one perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of him. This is why he has not judged the world yet, because he's so long-suffering. My goodness, if he gave you and I the keys, perhaps like James and John, we'd say, uh, we're done. Earth is done. Oh, Ryan, you don't understand what spirit you are. You know, like he told them, I came to save men's lives, not to destroy them. This message is very convicting to me. I told the first service, man, this is a, this one, it's like I'm on a, in a confessional up here. Because you know? <laughs> love really gauges how we are with the Lord. And it begins at home, right? It begins at home. When no one sees you but your family. And that's where the tests happen. Oh, the Lord tests the hearts, doesn't he? He doesn't tempt us, but he tests us. He tests us, right? You know, for those of us who are married, hey, we said, I do. I do. Long, I will long suffer. <laughs> and you know, it's been 20 years and it's a great marriage, but man, it's been a, it's been difficult because all of us are good Christians when we live by ourselves, or better, I should say. But once you get someone in there to be accountable, I mean, we're accountable to, oh my. You know, it's like, it's like people who are, who think that they love a lot, uh, and they, they're patient and long suffering, you know, but they spend all this time by themselves all the time. It's like, how do you gauge whether you're very long-suffering if you're by yourself? The walls don't aggravate us. They don't irritate us. They don't disrespect us. They don't, you know, man, I'm a great Christian. How wall? Mm. You know, and, and that's how some people are. But you come out of that and you start being around people and it's like, oh, I love Jesus, but his people, not so much. And it basically shows how far we need to go. You know, my wife, she wanted the bad boy. She's from Pretty World on the other side of the tracks. And, you know, hey, I'm a new creation. 
But it's like my pastor said to us in our premarital uh, counseling. He said, Clarissa, look, he's not going to be like Jesus overnight. <laughs> and I come from this extreme background to then like, oh, you know. And you realize in your flesh how far you need to go. This is why Paul the Apostle said, I have not attained. The great apostle says, I have not attained. I have not. I'm, I'm growing. And love is the gauge. Love is everything. Agape love. Jesus has been so long-suffering, and he calls us to be long-suffering. How do you and I respond when our spouse is not respectful or or not kind, right? How do we respond? Do we one-up each other? Do we fight evil with evil? As the Bible says, don't fight evil with evil. You know, it's like, my goodness, should we have a scoreboard in our house? You know, like the basketball ones, you know? Clarissa Ryan, first quarter of the day. (laughs) Right? It's like, it's... Love is long-suffering. How do you feel when someone slights you or, 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 you know, doesn't acknowledge you or doesn't speak? You know, we can be so fragile when it comes to others and how, you know, they didn't say hi to me or they weren't, they didn't smile like they should or whatever. It's like, you know, it's, it's like we're very critical and very short. And not long-suffering with our brethren. Maybe they're having a bad day. You know, there's so much love in this church. The one, the, like I say, the, one of the biggest compliments we get is that there's love at our church. Like, there's a lot of love. And I love that, you know. It doesn't mean that we have to be all smiley all the time. Uh, we don't want to walk around like a bunch of Joel Osteens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Show me some... Show me some re- some realness, you know. Ah, having a bad day today. You know, that's it. Cool. It can't be all the time, though. If you're, if you're just not smiling, you're just uh, you're grumpy all, all the time, there's a problem. All it says is that you're not as close to the Lord as you should be. That's all it says. And what does God say about our talents? What does God say about these gifts? They are nothing. They profit you nothing. And, and really, like, uh, I think a healthy church looks for love before talent, love before the gifts. You know what I mean? We've, we've been doing this for some time now, you know, and uh, about f- going on 15 years. Uh, this Easter, it'll be 15 years and, of doing Sundays. And then four to five years as a home Bible study. It's like we, we've learned throughout the years, like, talent ain't everything. Love is. He was right. Love is. You know. And in the early days, like we just like would use people for their talents and for their gifts. But they didn't have agape. And that just causes problemas. Problems, you know. So agape is so important. Long suffering. Love, love suffers long and is kind. It's kind. You know, 
If someone's unkind to us, does that give us the right to be unkind to them? In counseling sessions that I've been through throughout the years, uh, not speaking of my own with my wife, <laughs> although we've had a few with my pastor, but the counseling sessions that I've had with couples, it's like, you know, it's like, just because she mistreats you, just because he mistreats you, or, or doesn't speak kindly to, to you, let's say that, because they say something disrespectful. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.